Blog Talk Radio. Across the country and around the world, streaming live on the Internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. And welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. Tim and Julie Harris broadcasting from what I would call a lovely, albeit overcast day here in Austin, Texas. So, Julie, welcome back to the radio show. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure to be here. And guys, this is your only source for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action, make you money in this new real estate recovery. And we'll say this every day because I know a lot of you need to be reminded that we are at the very beginning stages of what is going to be a 7- to 10-year real estate boom. Now, I want you to absorb that. I want you to think about that. And as I always like to remind, again, all of you because we get new listeners every day, if you were back in, say, the early 2000s and you knew there was going to be a, you know, a real estate boom like there was coming your way, in other words, lots of opportunity to help folks and make tons and tons of money, what would you, be do, what would you have done differently or what would you be doing now? So you're in the same position now. You're looking forward at what is going to be an incredible opportunity to get into service to help others and make yourself financially independent over the next 7 to 10 years. And this is going to be happening in virtually every real estate market across the country. What are you doing now to position yourself to take advantage of this opportunity? What are you doing now to make it so that people will want to hire you, will want to choose you to help them with their real estate transaction? That's really what this is all about. As you know, last week we did a great interview with Steve Brown, president of the National Association of Realtors. Hopefully all of you heard that, and if you didn't, go back and listen to it. And one of the things he drills down on during that interview, and you could tell when he was talking, he had a lot of passion about it, was the fact that agents with education are the agents that are making the money and will continue to make the money in this new real estate recovery, in this new real estate market. So guys, the writing is on the wall. Take advantage of the information you have in front of you. Request a free coaching call, free coaching calls for agents.com. So on today's radio show, Julie and I are talking about one of our favorite topics, and hopefully it will become one of yours, that we call moments of truth. And we always give credit where credit is due this topic, the concept, this to- uh, uh, concept of this topic comes from the late and certainly great Howard Brinton. And as some of you guys know, Julian Howard, Howard Brinton stars back in the 90s. And so Howard Brinton, I think, I don't know if I'd call him a mentor. I'd certainly call him a leader of ours in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. He was probably one of the, I think, one of the great minds of our lifetimes in terms of how to you know, bring the best of the best together in terms of real estate innovation and, and then and then seed all the rest of us with those ideas. So, you know, Moments of Truth is a concept from Howard, and, and certainly want to give him the, the credit and the respect that he deserves for this concept. So, Julie, before we get to the topic of today's show, share with the listeners maybe some experiences from your coaching schedule today. Sure. I had a great call with one of my private coaching clients in the advanced program, and she is actually a, the lead buyer's agent of one of my uh, breakthrough clients. So I'm actually coaching several people on this team, and it's always good to talk to them individually. Her issue was this. She has four really super fantastic buyers, meaning either cash or totally pre-approved, completely motivated. And in fact, two of them already, their team has sold their homes. So talk about motivated. They're ready to buy. 
And these buyers, I mean, the least expensive was 400000 The most was, I think, 1.3. So nice. her issue was can't find anything to sell them. And this is something that we hear quite frequently on our calls. And I really, I mean, honestly, I kind of laid into her about this because I had asked, what's your strategy? And guess what the answer was? The drip MLS. system. Well, oh, I have her set up on a drip system. Got the MLS working. Okay, that's yep. about 10% of the game here, guys. Right? That's what everyone else does, and that's why you're competing with everyone else if and when you even get a chance to see the house. And, Tim, you and I have both read things that up to 30% of closings right now are pocket listings. In other words, never in the MLS. And we've done some radio shows about this as well. So I directed this particular advanced client to listen to uh, the radio show where we were talking about how to find inventory where it seems like there isn't any. So that was her homework assignment, and we had, I believe, six particular things that she was to do. And, you know, I, what I said to her was, you know, any day that you don't have an appointment, your job is to find houses for those folks. That's what they've hired and you to do, and the longer you take to do it, the less faith they have in you. And we have done a radio show on this very topic. So go back yep. and listen to one of the nearly 100 radio shows that we've done, and you can hear the very points that we I think actually we did that topic a couple weeks ago, right? I think we did. Yep, we did. Has been your, own, your own inventory, yeah. So go back and listen to that one. It gives you a lot of great ideas. You know, Julie, I'm curious. Had this buyer's agent actually gone into uh, the, I mean, I was going to say MLS, but I know a lot of new construction is even in the MLS. Yeah. Has she, was she <laughs> yeah. exploring all the zillions of new construction options well, that probably you know, were in her market? I- I got the typical excuse, there isn't any new construction to be had in my market. Oh, really? Well, let's look around. And I give her three different ways to find it. And, she, you know, the funny thing was she actually has a new construction background. So I told her, you know, that means she especially has to wash her mouth out with soap and uh, for saying that. So, you know, yeah, I mean, she's in kind of an older area, so it is a little bit more challenged. But there's a lot of builders that are doing infill lots right now. And there were a lot of half-defunct subdivisions that are now getting filled in. And you're never going to know about it just looking in the MLS. You've got to drive around. You've got to look in your weekend newspaper. You've got to subscribe to some of the new construction websites that are around in different civilized towns. It's out there. But, yeah, it's harder to find. Too bad. What well, else are you doing you, today? Jules, let me share <laughs> sorry, with you a funny story. Up. that I Well, I think – no, it's all right. I, let me share with you a funny experience I had on mm-hmm. a uh, free coaching call. Actually, you're, you got me remembering this one. So – this is one of our real estate coaching essential students. This is someone who's been enrolled in the program, I think, since January or something. And they've taken like five or six listings. So they're doing great, right? And so mm-hmm. this agent was on the phone with me, and they're saying, well, my listings, I priced them right. I priced them based on current CMAs like we teach everyone to do. You know, Julie, there's another great radio topic, right, how to present mm-hmm. CMAs. But mm-hmm. in any event, uh, and my listings aren't selling. And I said, well, and I went down to kind of the litany of options, well, you know, has there more? Has there been a spike in inventory? Has are these condition issues? Are there? Da, 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 da. Nope. Sounds like they're priced right. Then I said, you know what? I bet you anything, the buyers are not purchasing your resale homes because they're looking at the new construction. Oh, there's no new construction in my area. Mm-hmm. Of course and I, not. And this agent, <laughs> I mean, you know, dug her heels in. I no cons- new construction. I would know about it. I'm very aware of my market, and what else do you think it could be? And I think, you know, she was saying, I'm going to hire in a stager, or maybe the house is nice. So while well, she was telling me how I was wrong about being in new construction, I went and p- pulled up her records, and I put in her zip code, and I did some just easy Googling, and I found out, guess what? There wasn't one new construction development that her listings were uh, competing against. There were like eight, and she didn't right. know about any of them. Now, why didn't mm-hmm. she know about any of them? 
because what happened was these were developments that were, Julie called it infill, but what we're seeing across the country are a lot of the builders who abandoned their developments back when the bust happened, they sold off those lots, and those lots are now getting bought by the, or have been bought by the KB Homes, and if you're in Southern California, Lion Builders, and, you know, some of these big names, they bought the lots that were in existing subdivisions, and they're building houses in those subdivisions. There are whole new areas that are getting cut in right now in some of the bigger areas where the builders can either use their own money or using bank financing, and none of this is going in the MLS. You know, I, if you, a lot of you guys uh, are in Texas and the Austin area. I don't know if you're aware of this, and, <laughs> but up in Williamson County and everyone else around the country, think about what I'm about to share. In this little tiny area in, in, uh, north of Austin in Williamson County, there was maybe 90 days ago the announcing of 15,000 new construction homes. 15,000. It's like a whole city worth. If you have a house listed in Williamson County that's going to be competing against any of those resale homes, uh, you better be preparing those sellers for a serious butt whooping because the fact is is that those buyers won't even look at your resale. They'll go straight to the new home developments. So that is a huge shift that's happening in the marketplace that a lot of agents aren't aware of. So, yeah, I mean, on that free coaching call I did, I opened that agent's eyes to the fact that new construction mm-hmm. was sucking the life out of her resale business, and, you know, then she used that information, she's going to get her listings priced correctly. Guys, well, resale it's a great point, always though, has to be priced less. Well, we think about it in terms of finding inventory for our buyers, but you make an excellent point that it also affects the pricing of your resale listings. So, I mean, you have to know about new construction from both standpoints as a buyer's agent and as a listing agent. It just has a different twist depending on what you're dealing with. Yeah, and I know Realtor.com has a new widget for doing new home searching. So you guys need to be realizing that Realtor.com, and, you know, this is something else we talked about on the interview with the president of the National Association of Realtors. Agents across the country, please listen to me. And if you want to debate this, let's debate it. Request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. But you guys ought to seriously consider no longer allowing your listings to be syndicated on any websites other than Realtor.com. I mean, yes, cutting off Zillow and Trulia. Because, guys, they are positioning themselves, and in many ways they already have positioned themselves, as the go-to source for information on real estate. In other words, your homeowners, your buyers, your sellers are no longer going to think of you. They're going to think of them. And when that happens, you're screwed, okay? Because that means you're going to have to start buying Early back draft. your leads that would have been yours otherwise. And many of you have easily just it's okay, fine, we'll buy our leads back. You're giving up control of your business so that you end up having to buy your business back. The way you put an end to it is quite simple. We don't need to debate it. We don't need to talk about it. It's simply stop allowing your listings to be featured on any other site other than Realtor.com. Realtor.com will always protect your interests because NAR is basically in control of Realtor.com. There's your path to future prosperity, but realize that that bear is in the woods in the form of syndication sites and it will sneak in at night and eat your lunch if you allow it to. So Julie and I are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, which is moments of truth. So we'll be back in about a minute. Is coaching right for you? And how can I guarantee it will work for me? Chances are you are asking yourself those questions right now. I'll answer those critical questions for you in just a moment. 
But first, let's be honest about something you may have always suspected. You've probably always known that the nation's top 1% of realtors, you know, those millionaire agents you see on TV, they possess a secret knowledge that the other 99% of agents do not have. Where did they learn what they know? And more importantly, how did they learn how to put this closely guarded information into money-making action? It's simple. They have a coach. Not just any coach. The nation's mega millions, top 1% of the realtors know that in order to maintain their almost unfair advantage, that they must have their own personal coach. A proven, market-tested coach who has truly walked in their shoes. A coach who has worked with many of the nation's leading agents. At this point, you're probably ready to maybe try coaching. However, you don't want to be unfairly locked into a long-term ball and chain that coaching contracts can give you. It just makes sense that you should be able to try it before you buy it. Even more importantly, you want to have a coach who is the best of the best, not someone who is simply assigned to you or, even worse, has never sold real estate. Can you imagine? If this is you, I have something for you right now that is exactly what you have been looking for. For the next 48 hours, Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching is offering you a free coaching call. This is a real coaching call with a real Tim and Julie Harris coach. Now, while you were thinking about it, why don't you visit us online at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to get started. Once again, that is freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Now, let's be clear. This exclusive coaching opportunity is only available for the first 50 realtors who are stone-cold serious about their real estate business and know that in order to succeed at the highest level, they must hire a coach. So don't wait any longer. Take action now and visit us again at freecoachingcallsforagents.com to schedule your free coaching call. Again, that's freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Thanks so much. See you all soon. Okay, we are back. So, Julie, let's get right to our points. Now, moments of truth. Now, so as real estate agents, we don't have retail locations. We don't have a store. We don't have, uh, for the most part, a very, you know, we don't, no one can just walk in and see your merchandise of what you have for sale. How you look, how you present, what you drive, what your collateral, that's your signs, your business cards, your brochures, and all that looks like, your website, that is your storefront. So a mental shift for you to think about is the fact that you are being judged quicker than you think, uh, more frequently than you think by potential buyers and sellers based on some of these points that we wrote down. And this is what Howard used to call moments of truth, and, and it really opens, well, opened our eyes you know, 20 plus years ago to all the different ways that you can have a positive or unfortunately oftentimes very negative effect on a consumer's perception of the services you provide. So Julie wrote down some fantastic notes. Jules, why don't you jump right, right in? Sure. So let's start with the basic stuff that you guys all should be dealing with on a daily basis. Very basic. Number one, your business card. Now, we have all seen realtor business cards that have like eight or nine different phone numbers, your cell, your, you know, it used to be your pager, your text me, your QR code, all these crazy things, right? It looks like a big jumbled disaster. Oh, Lord, did you say pager, Julie? 
I said it used to be pager. Now it's QR okay. codes. Why, why don't you just why don't you just you know. scream to the world that you're in your forties and get it over with? Hey, you know what? <laughs> Average age of agent is still older than me. So yeah, make my point. That's true. They'll, they'll anyway, well, right. maybe some of them still have pager numbers on their cards. I don't know. That's part of the oh problem, my God, right? That's about <laughs> <laughs> okay. So point is, you don't need to have all 75 phone numbers plastered on your card. Nobody else you know does that. Your dentist doesn't do that. Right. You know, whoever. Okay, so you need one phone number, ideally either your 800 home hotline number or your cell phone number that you actually answer. Maybe your email address. That's it has to look professional, classy. You shouldn't have four or five different kinds of fonts. It should be on a decent card stock. So that's Remember, the business this card list, part. This, this is a list of very basic moments of truth, but some of the things that we don't, uh, that we take for granted are the most impactful on whether someone will choose to do business with us. And Julie just brought up an excellent point. Next point, and this is a very, very good point that she wrote down, is your handshake. Julie, what do you mean by that? Well, so you guys have all noticed there's different handshakes, right? Some people are like bone crusher handshakes. I don't know why people think that that's cool to do. Um, sometimes it's, especially with women, but sometimes with men, kind of what I call the wet fish handshake. You know, you're not really shaking. You're just kind of, I don't know what that is. You need to have a professional, firm, strong, but not bone crushing handshake. This is something you actually should be practicing with people you can practice a handshake with, okay? So your job, and you know, there's even, there's a whole psychology to this, right? Some, uh, you see politicians shake with both hands sometimes. Um, some people try a little power play and turn your hand over when they shake your hand. All kinds of goofiness, right? You need to have a professional, business, standard, firm handshake. Pretty basic. Well, you know, it, it, that is a very valid point. And another, you, you brought up politicians. I, I don't think we necessarily want to model ourselves after the worst no, of them. No, I'm saying there, the there are a them, lot of different styles of this, you know. Yeah, but the best of them are really good at these tight, these little things because they know that they have a very, very short period of time to make the most, to have an impact on you. And one of the ones that I've noticed, Julie, because you and I are, I don't know, I, I think we've become a real, uh, we study People that are mm -hmm. great at anything, that's something that Julie and I have a lot of a high level of interest, dare I say even passion for. And what we notice, again, this handshake thing that we've, we, Julie and I have studied for decades is uh, the other thing that uh, when you, someone shakes your hand, have you ever noticed that some people, let's say you're right-handed and they shake your right hand, they'll put their mm -hmm. left hand up on your arm or on your shoulder, or Julie said they'll double handshake you. Those mm -hmm. little psychological things, people don't necessarily – uh, consciously realize that you're doing, but by any time you have two points of contact with somebody um, on a very core level, again, on a subconscious level, you've connected with them certainly a lot quicker and a lot more efficiently than the person that had, as Julie said, the wet noodle handshake. Something to think about, you know. What is the message that you're sending with your voicemail? Point number three. Now, that's something we, Julie and I have, a, we, it is, it's a pathetic joke is really what it is, Julie. But, I mean, mm -hmm. you guys, how how often have you been frustrated by trying to call in, uh, try to contact your fellow realtors uh, via voicemail and have the voicemail be full? That happens all the time. In this day and age, guys, you should never have a full voicemail. You have full voicemails because you're, let's be honest, not leveraging the technology that's out there. You can institute a simple, inexpensive phone tree or use Google Voice or use like, uh, what, Julie, what's the Grass service Hopper. that we use? Um, Grasshopper.com. I think it's Grasshopper.com. Yeah, Grasshopper.com. I mean, it's a very simple system where people can self-direct calls. Now, I'm going to give you a little script here. 
a lot of you have issues setting boundaries with your clients. So, you know, the question we get on free coaching calls occasionally is, I don't want to be servicing my sellers in the middle of the night when they call me or on the weekends or on the holidays. That's fine. You need to set boundaries up, and the, uh, the voicemail should be very, simp- very simple and to the point. Hello, this is Tim Harris with ABC Realty. You've reached my voicemail. Please leave your name and number so I can call you back at my earliest convenience. If you're calling after normal business hours or on the weekends, please leave the contact information so that I can your contact information so I can get a hold of you, you know, the next business day or on Monday. You get the point? If you're calling in the evening hours or on the weekends, please leave your contact information so I can get in contact with you during normal working hours. That's all you need to say. That little widget right there, that little script right there will save huge amounts of tension. It makes it so you can choose to call them back in the evening. You can choose to call them back on the weekends if you want to. Now, I want to warn you that do not use this as an excuse not to do aggressive lead follow-up. This time of year especially, you guys have to be calling all your leads back. And I'm probably jumping ahead, and this is probably one of your points. But you have to be calling all your leads back urgently. Like in contacting that person is the most important thing in your life. So this voicemail thing that I'm discussing with you, that would be maybe for your title company or your escrow company or maybe a seller that's reminding you that a, their home brochures are running low, those types of things. So, Julie, the next point. Oh, that is funny. That's point number four. <laughs> so it's point number four, Julie. How quickly you actually return calls. For some of you, know, you Julie, that's do of- you return calls. For others of you, it's how quickly you return calls. Yeah, it's funny how much you and I uh, share a mind. <laughs> Julie wrote these points down. And as I'm talking, I'm, she, she must have been thinking the same thing when she wrote this down. Exactly. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, what reminds me is um, we had a buyer's agent who that was his thing, if you remember Nate. You know, yep. he would, we would joke that he would call people back practically before they actually hung up. You know, he was that fast. And his strategy was really great. I always appreciated that about him because when his, uh, you know, buyers would actually be in contract, then our transaction coordinator had the pressure to respond as quickly. But we always had great feedback on how Nate handled his calls. He, you know, he would get a voicemail from somebody. They would ask him a question about a home. He didn't have the answer yet because he was driving around with other buyers, but he would call them back and say, hey, I got your message. I will find out for you and get back with you this evening. Okay, he wasn't yeah, waiting it. to have the answer and then call them back. He was acknowledging that he was on top of it, and that was fantastic. So this is a little interesting study that's been done. Um, this was done originally for the automotive industry. Okay, I shared with you guys this uh, little study before, but I'll just cut to it and summarize it. So you guys go shopping for hopefully your new Mercedes-Benz this weekend, right? And there's three Mercedes-Benz dealers in your particular area. Just work with me here. Maybe you're saying a Mercedes-Benz, Tim. That's too lowbrow. I'm going to shop for a Bentley or a Ferrari. More power to you, okay? <laughs> so you walk into the Mercedes-Benz dealer. You meet with a salesperson. You talk with them briefly. Maybe you go on a test drive. You decide not to buy it that day. You want to do more research. Well, you end up going to two other salespeople, two other dealerships, do two other test drives. The automotive, and this is directly, this is exactly how it works in our industry as well. They know that something like 95% of the time, it's like 93.2% or some ridiculous thing, that the person who, even though they didn't uh, buy the first time, and even though they did end up talking with two other salespeople, they know that almost 100% of the time, that buyer will go back and meet again and buy from that original salesperson they spoke with. 
That is something that happens psychologically in our brains that is not necessarily understandable, but the same exact thing works in real estate. And you guys think about your own businesses. You've done deals before just because you've met them first in an open house, because Julie's example of Nate, um, he called back right away. Because you had the power of that fast initial contact, you will probably get the business provided, obviously, you provide great service and, you know, move forward with them in, in delivering the, the houses and whatnot that they expect from you. The moral of the story is fast follow-up matters. It will get you to the home run, home plate, faster than you think, more frequently than you think. Those of you who hide behind computers and trying to create these lead follow-up systems, you know, your B leads and your C leads and all these other little things that are not putting you on the front lines directly in front of motivated sellers and motivated buyers, there's a reason you're not making very much money. It's because knowing the psychology, the critical thing is the timing and getting to the customer first, right? When you use our scripts that we teach all of our coaching clients, our scripts are designed to ferret out whether or not they're working with another realtor. But you guys ask typically, I'll give you a for example, this is just one element of one of, of our buyer scripts. So you guys, the typical thing a realtor does is when a buyer calls, they'll say, well, are you working with another realtor? And of course, the buyer almost always says yes, right? So we don't want you saying that. That's actually a really dumb question because the consumers are have essentially been trained to give a reflex no. When you guys walk into a store, it doesn't matter what kind of store it is. Can I help you, sir? Can I help you, ma'am? Isn't your natural response no? No, I'm just looking. Reflex no. Well, when a buyer calls about a listing and you call them back and you know you ask if they're working with a realtor, when you frame the question like that, their reflex no is yes, I am working with another realtor because then you're basically making it so they can get the information from you and hang up the phone reframe the question. Now, this question I'm about to share with you is out of context for the whole script. It's like the third or fourth question, but this is the question. I assume because you're calling me directly, you're not working with another realtor. By reframing the question, when you're calling that lead back, you'll quickly find out the truth, not just get the initial reflex no, which is normal to come from all of us, especially, you know, when you're dealing with a salesperson. Makes sense? Jules, what's the next point? Okay, so the next point is your picture. Now, some of you look like your picture. If I were to meet you and I were to compare it to your card, your website, etc., it actually does look like you. Others of you, you look like two different people because the picture is either outdated or maybe you've lost 30 pounds since it was taken or the other way around. So your picture needs to not just look like you but also be professionally taken in an appropriate style, business-like. Some of you guys are like, you know, laying on the beach in your flip-flops or something. So point number six, actually, Julie, uh, point number six is your appearance. Now, this is something that, Mm -hmm. again, when we present this information in front of a live audience, it's always interesting to me how the slightly overweight guy wearing the Tommy Bahama shirt, wearing flip-flops, sitting in the back of the room, always will get up and leave at this point. But your appearance matters. the rule is you always want to dress nicer than your audience. In other words, if you're going to go on a listing presentation, you not it doesn't have to be a tuxedo, but you need to dress at least one level nicer than whomever you're presenting to. It is disrespectful. I had a new Julie, I had a new coaching client, and he's in Oklahoma City. And mm-hmm. he was smart enough and experienced enough to know that he shouldn't be wearing jeans when he's going to meet with clients. And so right. he was very sheepish to tell me that he was occasionally wearing jeans. 
And I told him, hmm. you know, Oklahoma City, you know, like Ohio, we have very traditional values and roots, and it kind of makes sense that when you're in somebody's house, you have to respect the environment, respect the time they're spending with you, and you should look nice. You need to wear a tie. I mean, when we were interviewing Louise Ortiz from Million Dollar Listing New York last week, and you guys can go back and listen to that radio show, you know, if you guys watch that silly Bravo show, which is one of Julie and I's guilty pleasures, mm-hmm. you know, the fact is, is one of the reasons that you're kind of like, hey, that Luis guy's got it going on, is because how he looks. He dresses impeccably well. Mm-hmm. Guys, doesn't it make sense that when you see somebody that's dressed really nice, do you assume they're successful? Doesn't it make sense also that, you know, in a market where you're trying to differentiate yourself, you're trying to make it so that buyers and sellers choose you to do business with, that one of the easiest ways to differentiate yourself is to buy, by looking really nice and dressing really, frankly, way above the normal standard in your marketplace. If realtors are walking around looking like they're you know, one step away from going to the bar at the beach, that is an opportunity for you to differentiate yourself by making yourself look a lot nicer. Julie, tell them about what you used to do when we sold real estate when you were going to your orchestra uh, practices. <laughs> Yeah, I always looked like I had just come from a closing on purpose because people because. would eventually ask me, gosh, you always look so nice. What do you do opening the door to talk about real estate, which was awesome because it was like reverse prospecting. Yeah, pretty exactly. simple. Right. I mean, if you're going on a walk in your neighborhood, you know, we always suggest you guys wear your name badge and, you know, sometimes it's not appropriate. But dressing nice always is appropriate. It's a simple thing to make yourself stand out. You know, the fact is that some of you guys don't know. Your clothes are so – they're old. I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. Some of you guys haven't been shopping to update your wardrobes in forever. As a rule, you should be replacing probably 100% of all your wardrobe every single year. I'm not saying to go out and buy 10 new you know, $2,000 suits, but, you know, keep things fresh. Keep things updated. How do you feel when you look nice? How do people treat you when you look nice? How does – Potential customers perceive you when you look nice versus say how you look now. It's an interesting question, isn't it? So, Julie, let's do a couple more points and then we'll wrap. All right, perfect. So the next one is actually your real estate sign. Now, it's interesting because some of you guys, because there's low inventory and you have multiple offers, I've heard this. It's crazy. And I've heard this from REO agents, too. They don't even bother putting a sign out. Really? I mean, what height of laziness are we going to attain here, people? Okay, so, yes, you should be using a sign. Next, what does it look like? Does it, is it beat up? Is it stated? Are you using a clear home brochure box? Are you taking the listing seriously? Or are, are you, you avoiding calls? Box? Are you using yeah. a brochure box, right? Oh, I don't want to have to fill it all the time. Really? Okay. So these are moments of truth. That's why it's called that. And some of you guys live in areas that have a lot of weather. You know, I'm thinking of our friends on the East Coast where you guys have hurricanes and all kinds of things. So after storms, are you driving around making sure your signs haven't blown away, haven't been knocked over? All of these types of things are moments of truth. If you don't, it looks to the seller like you don't care. Is it their job to straighten things out? No. Why are they paying you? Well, and so a lot of people will ask right now, well, for sale signs, this is boring. Why are you talking about this? I don't, blah, 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 blah. My broker does my for sale signs. Well, mm-hmm. one of the things we teach all of our breakthrough coaching clients is, and you guys should write this down, and our advanced coaching clients for that matter, is you should have a reflective, like a stop sign, for sale sign. There's a couple companies in the country that make reflective for sale signs. Here's another thought for you. In every one of your marketplaces, you could literally be using for sale signs 
that are probably twice the size of the ones you're using now. I'm talking about mini billboards. Think about how powerful it is when you actually are able to legally put a you know huge for sale sign in the front of somebody's house in a neighborhood. I'm not talking about you know obnoxious, but I'm talking almost obnoxious. So your perfect for sale sign is one that's going to be physically larger than a normal for sale sign, so it's obvious and it stands out. And it's going to be reflective, so that night when people are driving up the street, and that sign is there. They're going to see it immediately, and they're going to, that's going to stand out. These are all tiny moments of truth. So if there's two signs on the street, and the first one is yours, this big, beautiful, reflective sign, and the one up the street is your traditional real estate sign, I mean, even though the seller's not going to say, well, I like Tim and Julie's better because it's reflective, that makes a little psychological impression and all these moments of truth add up to them choosing you to do business. Think about this, guys. You know what, Julie? Um, I have to mm-hmm. do a coaching call. I just looked at my schedule. Me too. Let's wrap up this topic tomorrow. So in the meantime, guys, if you need any help, if you especially, and I have to make this clear, if you're an existing coaching client, and there's thousands of you, um, or if you're someone who's seriously interested in becoming one of our coaching clients, I want you to request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. But come prepared for these calls. These are not lightweight coaching calls. You're going to get a real coaching call. Be ready to take notes. Be ready to, you know, be organized. Know how many closings you had last year. Know how much money you made. Know what your goals are, all those types of things. Or at least have an idea of what your goals are. A free coaching call is your opportunity to, frankly, get your head screwed on straight so you can take full advantage of this marketplace. And I want to make this also very uh, critically, obviously important, hopefully. If you're involved in another coaching company, of course, request a free coaching call. We're not shunning you just because you're involved in another coaching company. Some of you are afraid to ask, and you shouldn't be. So request a free coaching call regardless. We're here to help. And uh, in the meantime, we'll talk with you tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.